Amen. Those who are working the computer back there, if you'll work with me, I'm going to control it. But if I fall behind, I may need your help. All right, we're in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. And let me, let me just share with you as we get ready, and we, we talk about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues has nothing to do necessarily with salvation. And so there are those churches that believe that you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name, come up out of the water, speaking in tongues, or you're not saved. Speaking in tongues is a result of having been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is God through us praying to God for us. So when somebody who is a Christian gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence is they will speak in other tongues. Now, we're going to make clear as we go on tonight that this is different than the gift of tongues. And I want you to think about this as we go through all these scriptures. You'll find there are times where somebody is given the supernatural ability to speak another language. Whether it be German, whether it be Swahili, whether it be Rwanda, it's another known language to man. When he speaks that language, the person that hears that language understands it. There doesn't need to be an interpreter. Are you still with me? Now that's an, that's an important clue. There doesn't need to be an interpreter. Because if I'm speaking another known language, perhaps I'm speaking in German and Sister Fran is from Germany. She understands the message from God comes through me. It may not even register in my knowledge because I'm not a German speaker. But God supernaturally enables me to speak that language in German. I'm not, I don't even know necessarily what I'm saying, but she does. So there's no need of an interpreter in that instance because she understands the clear message coming from God. Amen? Let me go back. So this is not something that was just a New Testament thing. We find all the way back in the book of Isaiah. God prophesies, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. So all the way back in the book of Isaiah, God says, this is going to happen in the future. So he's foretelling, prophesying way ahead in the future. I'm going to speak to my people with stammering lips another tongue, another language. Now, when we get into another question that sometimes people have when they first come to church is this. How do I know I'm in the right church? That's an important question. Because if you're just coming into Christianity, you don't want to be involved in a cult. You don't want to be involved in something that's against God. You don't want to be involved in something that's against the Bible. And so because we don't know anything, there's that, that fear, that hesitation. Man, am I in the right place? Well, God gives us some certain guidelines. In the book of Mark... He tells us, Mark chapter 16, this is coming along, isn't it? Okay. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So here's something I can look for to find true believers. In my name shall they cast out devils. They're going to have power over unclean spirits. They shall speak with, what does he say? New tongues. 
Did that work? It did. All right. They shall speak with new tongues. So one of the signs that follows a true believer or a true believing church is that they're going to have people in there that will cast out devils if need be. You say, preacher, I haven't seen that. We're not necessarily asking people to come who are possessed with devils, but if God sends them in and there is a need, God by the Holy Spirit can cast the devil out. Amen. He said, this would be one of the signs. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So, going on. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, real quick. There's a lot of scripture here. I'm going to try not to get too many rabbit trails, too many disclaimers. But there are those groups, uh, snake handling churches. Some of them that are still alive, I think, in West Virginia and in Kentucky today. And they use this verse to justify actually having live rattlesnakes in service, uh, passing them around so that they can somehow uh, manifest their power over the, the serpents. This is really not... And there's two different ways to look at this. Number one, if some serpent uh, actually bit you, there would may be a miraculous uh, survival of that. If you accidentally drank poison, back in that time, many of these Christians, they were persecuted. Poison sometimes was given to them. If you accidentally took it, that you would be able to survive from it. It is not saying that we should tempt God and go and drink strychnine. It's not saying you should tempt God and go pick up dangerous poisonous serpents. Another way to look at it is if they bring up any type of thinking, any type of doctrine that is against God, that they would be able to to deal with it, not be poisoned by it. It says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So one of the signs of a true church is that they would be able to pray for people and God would heal them. Now again, I want you to understand as we go forward, all of these gifts that we're talking about tonight are gifts that belong to the Spirit. And we're going to get to that later on. They are not given to man. They're the Spirit's gifts. The Spirit operates those gifts through man as the Spirit chooses to. So whenever you find people saying, well, I have the gift of this and I have the gift of that, it's very presumptuous, very proud. Because all the gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. He is the one that operates them through who he wants to, when he wants to, as how he wants to. Amen. So they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now, so the book of Isaiah, he prophesied what was going to happen. In the book of Mark, when Jesus was going up, he gives them signs that you would find. These are some of the signs that you will find in true churches. They're going to speak with new tongues. Then he goes on into the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Whoops. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Don't mistake this with the tongues that you speak. We're talking about they had visual um, representations of fire upon their head, okay, like uh, cloven, it would be separated at the top, so they looked and they'd see it sitting on this one and see it sitting on that one, not speaking about the speaking in tongues yet. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what happened when they were filled with the Holy Ghost? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Here's what you're going to see. In every instance where a born-again believer is filled with the Holy Ghost, there is one constant, and that is they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Again, I want to make sure you understand, we're not talking about salvation. What do you need to do to be saved? You need to repent, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, turn from your sins, receive him as Lord and Savior. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we're not talking about the Holy Ghost. Amen. But when a believer is saved, God gave him a commandment. And that commandment was be filled with the Spirit. Now, if I'm a believer, I'm a son of God, I'm supposed to be obedient to God. So if there are things that I refuse to obey, I'm not going to be able to stay his son. Because God does not allow somebody who lives in habitual sin to stay in the family. Are you still here? No matter what the sin is. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a prerequisite of being saved. Once you're saved, you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And so you should, now that you are born again, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What will happen when I get the Holy Spirit? The Bible said you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come. So we're talking about speaking in tongues. But really, speaking in tongues is a result of having been filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence is what the world will see is that you have spoken in other tongues. But there is a continued evidence. That is the fruit of the Spirit. You have love. You have joy. You have peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All the fruit of the Spirit will be in your life also. Let's go on. So... When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, what happened? They spoke with other tongues. Now, I want you to really see this because this is God's word. Amen? And you can find people that say, well, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak with other tongues. But you're going to find every time you look in the Bible, when we're given the, the whole episode, that when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. Now, you can think for a minute, why would God, why would God do this? And there's several good reasons. Number one, what is it that usually gets us in trouble? It's our tongue, our mouth, what we say. And it's the thing that we often have the hardest time controlling. So as an evidence of us being fully surrendered to God, God prays through us to God for us. Amen? Amen. Going on. And there were dwelling... At Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, here's where we're going to get one of these, these um, uh, things I was talking about earlier. You have to look. Was there an interpreter involved? No. Because these folks supernaturally were unable to speak these other languages. These people from these other countries heard them speak in their other languages. You follow? So we have here two things happening. Not only were they filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken other tongues, but the gift of tongues was operated. And here's where you've got to make this understanding. There is a difference between the gift of tongues 
and being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Everybody that gets the Holy Ghost speaks in other tongues. Everybody that speaks in other tongues does not have the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is enabling you, God through you, to speak in another known language to man. In that instance, there's no interpreter needed because that person understands what you're saying. You follow? But not everybody that gets filled with the Holy Ghost has the gift of tongues. We know this. Because later on in 1 Corinthians, we're going to get to it. The Bible said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him. The gift of tongues is enabling man to understand the message from God in their native language. Speaking in other tongues, no man understands him. He speaks not unto man, but unto God. Do you see the difference? Okay. In one, we're going to need an interpreter. If there's a, a, a message from God through the preacher or through whoever it is giving the message in tongues, and it's not the gift of tongues, then that language is not known to man. We're going to need an interpreter to make that clear to whoever it is listening. Amen? Amen. I turned it off. I didn't turn off the vibration. There we go. Every man heard them speak in his own language. Go on. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we, every man, in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia and Egypt and the, and the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues, our languages, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? They didn't understand. Now, God was showing them that there's something supernatural happening and he chose to use the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost to magnify his name, let all the world, all these different people from different nations know that Jesus was uh, God and he was, they were speaking of the wonderful works of God and giving glory to God in their native languages. So they understood, man, something is happening. Something is happening. Now, let's go on. In the book of Acts chapter 10, let me give you the rundown. Peter, who had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, was, was praying and God sent a vision to Peter. In the vision, he saw um, a sheet knit together on the four corners, filled with animals in it. Peter was very hungry at the time. And in the vision, God said, rise up, Peter, slay and eat. But the animals were all unclean animals, which according to the Jewish law, they weren't supposed to eat. And he said, I can't do that. Those are unclean animals. And God said to him, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Now, that was the principle. The message behind it wasn't really about the animals. It was about the Gentiles. Because in the Jewish mind, all those who were Gentiles, who were not Jews, were unclean. 
And so God was getting ready to bridge that gap between Jew and Gentile and open the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he had to teach Peter, hey, Peter, I want you to understand something. What I've cleansed, these Gentiles, you don't have the right to call them unclean anymore. I'm bringing them into the family. And so he had this vision. Three times it was repeated to him. At the end of the vision, this guy comes to his door and said, hey, we need you. this, uh, This guy named Cornelius has had this vision, and he wants you to come to his house. And Peter understood, ah, okay. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Now, while Peter is there, Cornelius had gathered his friends and family together to hear the word of God. Matter of fact, when Peter comes in, he falls on his feet and he says, oh, um," and then Peter says, hey, hey, listen, make sure the lights are on. He said, hey, listen, you look down, you see that, you don't want to mess it up. Uh, Don't worship me, I'm just a man. And he said, well, God told me to call for you that you had a message for me. And Peter begins to preach to them about Jesus. Now, Peter had a group that came with him. Uh, I'm going to fake her out. (laughs) Come on. Peter had a group that came with him. And so you've got got five or six or seven, however many folks that came that had gotten the Holy Ghost with Peter on the day of Pentecost. And they're gathering into Cornelius' house. Cornelius has all his friends and family surrounding together. Say, hey, we want to know the word of God. Peter said, let me tell you about Jesus who came to die for us, who, who uh, rose again on the third day. And the Bible said, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost came down upon these folks. They got saved and they got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues at the same time. Now, if, when Peter's preaching and the people said, wow, these Folks have gotten the Holy Ghost. Can you take it to the next verse, please? And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. All the people that were with Cornelius, they're of the circumcision. I'm sorry, the people that were with Peter, they're of the circumcision. They're the Jews. As many as came with Peter because then on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Stop. How am I... If, 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 if Fran and George and Reverend Tuig are all with me, they're the, the Jews, I'm Peter, and I'm here and I'm preaching to Maury and Crystal, and the Holy Ghost comes on them, and the people behind me say, man, these folks got the Holy Ghost just like we did. How are they going to know? Do they have a Holy Ghost meter, a gun that measures, you know, hits him in the forehead and measures, yep, he's got the Holy Ghost. You know, how are they going to know? Next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So Peter, when he got there and he began preaching to them and the Holy Ghost came on them, the Jews that were with Peter said, these guys got the Holy Ghost because the same thing that happened to us happened to them. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Man, they got the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost. So... In the book of Acts, when they got the Holy Ghost, what happened? They spoke with tongues. In the book of Acts chapter 2. In the book of Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius' house, when they got the Holy Ghost, what happened? They spoke with tongues. Then he says, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Here's a a little insert here. Is baptism necessary 
for you to be saved? Can't be. Because if it was necessary for them to be saved, they weren't baptized yet. Amen? You still with me? I'm I've taught it more than once, so it's clear in my mind. So I may go going fast. I want to make sure it's clear in your mind. Peter's there. He's preaching to them about Jesus. They don't know anything. And as they, they hear, they believe, they receive Christ, they, they put their faith in Christ, yes. And not only that, God fills them with the Holy Spirit. They weren't baptized yet, were they? Now we know they had to be saved because the Holy Spirit isn't given except to believers. Holy Spirit can't indwell unsaved. You still with me? So we know that they were saved and yet they weren't baptized yet. So is baptism a requirement for salvation? No. No. Is baptism a command once we're saved? Yes. So it's not something I need to do to be saved. It's something I do because I am saved. Now, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize this because you will meet people who come by and they'll say, have you been baptized in Jesus' name, speaking in other tongues? And if you weren't baptized in Jesus' name and came up speaking in other tongues, you're not saved. You need to be baptized again. Wait a second. Baptism's not even part of the salvation equation. If I rely upon being dunked in water to be saved, that means I'm relying upon a physical work. My salvation is not based upon a work, it's based upon what Christ did, not what I do. I am baptized after I'm saved to show the world this is what happened. Just like Jesus was buried, I go into the water, I'm, I'm showing that, that's an object lesson of being buried with him. Just like he came up out of the grave, I'm coming up out of the water, object lesson of being risen again with him. So baptism is not necessary for salvation. Following. But once you're saved, you should be baptized. You need to be baptized. Sign up downstairs. I think we got five. We're about ready to do one. So make sure you get your name on there if you haven't been baptized since you've been saved. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. All right. Now we have another portion in the book of Acts chapter 19. Now we've got Paul. Paul's walking along. And as Paul's walking along, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And he finds certain disciples. You got to ask also, how did he know they were disciples? Paul was talking to them. He was trying to get his two a day. Amen. <laughs> he was talking to them. He was talking to them. Hey, you guys know about Jesus? And it says this, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Which is kind of interesting because Paul skips right to the power, right? Have you received the Holy Ghost? He said, and they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, under what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. During John the Baptist's ministry, he baptized people. It was a sign. Baptism in the Jewish mind was a sign of starting anew. Even non-Jews could be baptized as a sign that they were what's called proselytes. People coming into the Jewish religion. It started, it spoke of being a new, a newness. 
Now, that baptism isn't the same as being baptized because you're saved. And that baptism isn't the same as being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Three questions you have to ask. Who's baptizing? What are they being baptized in? Who's being baptized? So, in this instance, John was baptizing. They were being baptized in water. It was people who were believing in John's baptism. When we are saved and we are baptized, who's doing the baptizing? The preacher. Who's being baptized? The new believer. What are they being baptized in? Water. When we speak about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, who's doing the baptizing? Jesus. What are they being baptized in? The Holy Spirit. Who's being baptized? The born-again believer. So whenever you come to baptism, if you ask those three questions, are you telling me to, no, okay. <laughs> My wife was doing this and I thought maybe she was giving me a sign, but she was just scratching her neck. Amen. She might have me do all kinds of crazy things here in a minute. I'll be doing this. <laughs> okay. They should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Great. And then... Paul said, well, that's not good enough. You're saved. We're glad you're saved. Well, you put your faith in Christ. Now you've shown the world just like he was buried. You're buried with him in water. But you need something else. What did they need? When Paul had laid, hand, laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. What happened? Does it, does it show us there? It does. They did what? Spake with tongues and prophesied. So every time we're going to find they spake with tongues when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? All men were about 12. All right. Let's go forward. Even in the book, oh, my time is running out. Let me just give, give you a few more verses and we'll go. Book of Romans. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. So now he's talking about born-again believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit and they're facing challenges, weaknesses, problems. They don't even know how to pray for it as they should. But they have the Holy Spirit. And since they have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is able to help them. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, really it should be Himself, maketh intercession for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's something the Holy Ghost is praying through us. We can't even put it into words. Groanings. My time, let me see if I can get this a little further. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit prays for us. And he goes on to say, this is a good portion we want to get to. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, look how that linked together. We have things that are going on in our life we don't even know how to pray for. So the Spirit begins to pray through us, groanings, we're praying in the Holy Ghost, we're praying in this deep um, language. And then he says, all things work together for good. Do you see how that came together? 
Sometimes God allows things to come our way, which forces us out of our own abilities, our own intellect, makes us cry out and the Holy Spirit pray through us to God for us, and that works together for our good. Did you ever see that before? Yeah, let me go on. Uh, I've got a lot of verses I'm trying to skip right to. Let me get right to this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, quick question. When they spoke in other tongues on the day of Pentecost, did somebody understand them? Yes. The Bible said they all heard them, right? Speaking other, speaking their own, their native languages, the wonderful works of God, you remember? So they understood. That was the gift of tongues. God making the message known to somebody through another language that exists on this earth. But they that get filled with the Holy Ghost, what does it say? It said, speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For what? No man understandeth him. Not anybody. No man understands him. Because he's praying to God. I may have to revisit this again, but let me try to just give it to you real quick. Person that's saved is ready for heaven. You repent of your sins, you ask Christ to come into your heart, you're saved. But once you're saved, God gave a commandment. You should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, would give you power. Manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You would have a little bit of heaven to go to heaven with. What happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost? How do I know I've got the Holy Ghost? You will speak in other tongues. Now, here's where we go. Sometimes people, when they pray for the Holy Ghost, sometimes they don't get the Holy Ghost. Sometimes because they don't have faith. Sometimes because they've had wrong teaching in their mind and no one's walked them through the Scriptures. Sometimes people have told them that's not for us today. And so sometimes they have obstacles in receiving the Holy Spirit. In that process, there may be times that people try to shortcut the process. Well, I want these people to stop bugging me about getting filled with the Holy Ghost. So they invent their own language. They'll be down there and they'll just repeat things, repeat what could be even gibberish. Ba 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 ba. Da 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 da. That's not the Holy Ghost. You do more shame to God than helping anybody. If an English language, if I would speak to you in one syllable, hi 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 hi, you'd say, preacher, what's wrong with you? Are you having a stroke? Amen. Because it's a language. And so there should be more than one syllable, more than one word. 
So sometimes people who get around people who are speaking in tongues, they might not always be around somebody who's really filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, sometimes it may be in their innocence. They're trying to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but they haven't really gotten the Holy Ghost. And they heard somebody repeating some syllables, and they just repeated it too. And you can tell by their life because their life isn't manifesting the power of God. They have a hard time submitting to leadership, whether it's uh, to their husband or to the leadership in the church. They have a hard time uh, being victorious under difficult circumstances. They have a hard time uh, going forward when they're facing challenges, which is the whole reason God gives us the Holy Ghost, to give us power. So sometimes when I'm around people, get into a group of folks, and everybody has their own personal experiences. I believe many of you are genuinely filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that maybe there's some that aren't, that may think they are. I'm not really trying to undermine your Holy Ghost experience, but if it's just one syllable that you're repeating over and over again, or maybe you've just given in to that because you were tired of seeking God. You see, one thing that happens when we seek God for the Holy Ghost is he empties us of self. Part of us getting filled with the Holy Ghost is stepping out of our own rationalistic thinking and believing God to do something supernatural. And I've showed you and I've read to you all these scriptures. They're not something New Testament Christian church or Reverend Devonshire has made up. And there's more. There's lots more. But it's something that the Bible says. And so you've got to say, am I going to choose my rational thinking? And I'm not saying that the Bible is against rational thinking. But sometimes when you have faith, you've got to believe that God can do something outside of rational thinking. He created the world, didn't he? He can heal your body, can't he? You want him to, to help you in a miraculous way financially, don't you? And then you have to believe that God can fill you with the Holy Spirit. The initial physical evidence is you'll speak in other tongues. The continued evidence is that you will have the fruit of the Spirit. My time is up, but let me get to one more thing. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. He that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now here's another problem. Just got to deal with it quickly. If Sister Fran comes to the altar and prays, she's down there praying. And she's praying in English. Saying, God, help me. Sometimes, God, I, sometimes I have a problem with Pastor Devonshire. Sometimes he doesn't seem to, to shake my hand. Or uh, sometimes he doesn't seem to smile at me. And I, and I, I just need, I need help. I want to be uh, a, a good fellow Christian to the minister. Now, her prayer down there, hopefully she doesn't feel that way, but her prayer down there is meant for her and God. Amen? Not for anybody else. Now, if she's at the altar and she's praying, and then maybe she just starts praying in the Holy Ghost. She's at the altar. That prayer is meant for her and God. Nobody else. Now, it would be different if Fran stood up in the church service said, thus saith the Lord, and she began to give a message. And her intention is to give this message to the church. And she speaks in tongues. And nobody understands her. And there's no interpreter. Then it would be out of place. Because the message from God is not being made known to the people. 
Now the difference is, when she's down here praying at the altar, that's not meant as a message to be made known to the people of the church at large. Amen? So if I am praying privately in church and I'm praying in tongues, I don't need an interpreter to interpret my, because I'm not praying for you. Amen? But if I stand up and I give a message in tongues and there's no interpreter, well, I'm, I'm out of place. Because I am saying that this message belongs to everybody, but there's nobody to make the message known to everybody. So the difference is, and what our purpose is. So when we come to a prayer meeting and you're praying and your purpose is you're just praying alone with God and you happen to be praying in other tongues, that's fine. But if you stand up in a church service, you stand up and that message is meant to go to everybody and there's no interpreter, then you're out of place. Amen. But the scripture says not everybody has the gift of tongues. That's true. Because the gift of tongues is, once again, to make a known language to man supernaturally enable you to make a known language to man spoken to somebody else. German, Rwandan, Swahili, French, whatever, Spanish, that you don't natively know, God supernaturally enables you to speak it. Do you understand? No interpreters needed for that. Not everybody has that gift of tongues. But does everybody get speak with other tongues when they get filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. I may come back to this because there's a lot more I'm skipping. I'm trying... To get you out of here before folks say, you're taking too long. But I don't want to shortcut the teaching either. So, with that, maybe we'll come back to it next week. We'll see. Be at the will of the Lord. Let us pray. Now, if you do have questions about this, we encourage you, come talk to us. Again, we'll probably take it another week and try to make it more clear. Um, cover the rest of the scriptures. If you do have questions, though, between now and then, come talk to us. You can feel free to email, text, call or catch us downstairs, we'll be glad to do all we can to make it more clear to you. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this chance to study your word tonight and learn. I pray that you would stir the hearts of these believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give them the power of God operating through their lives to make them witnesses. God, we need all the power of God we can get we live in a sin-defiled world, one which Satan is trying to manifest himself and empower others with his spirit, whereas God wants people to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us not be afraid or turn away from the very thing that we need to be full of. And God, we give you thanks, we give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.